Do you want to catch more fish? I'd be willing to bet you do. Just about every angler I know would like to catch more fish than they catch on any given day. But before you can catch more fish, you got to find more fish. you got to be fishing in the right spot. you got to have the honey hole, the mother load, the secret pocket, the fancy spot that no one else has. That's what you need to find if you want to catch more fish. It ain't about the secret lure and it ain't about the secret presentation. It's all about fishing in the right spot. And that's what we're going to talk about here on this episode of Fishful Thinker Podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Lachance here, uh, talking about locating fish today. Locating fish sounds easy. It seems like um, something that we should intuitively be able to do. Uh, it's never that easy, and it seems like the vast majority of the of the questions I get uh, more revolve around what were you using than anything else. It's what was your lure. Uh, you know, that's the question I get most commonly. Nobody ever asks me how I located my fish, and after you know what, 14, 15 years on television, sixteen years, whatever it is on television at this point, fourteen years. Uh, you would think that, that people would have asked me that question, and that's really just not a question I get very often, but I feel like that if people understood how to locate fish, regardless of what species that fish is, uh, they would catch more fish. And so we've always tried to communicate it. We've even got a few basic sayings we use. Uh, and, and in the filming of Fishful Thinker Television, more than 330-some episodes traveling all over the United States to do it, We've used the same system to locate fish the majority of the time. It's rare that we fish places we know uh, we know about or we, where we have secret spots on or anything like that. It, we will occasionally go with a guide, but usually that's because the guide has the boat we need um, more than anything else uh, or a technique that I'm not familiar with, something like that. But at the end of the day, most of our shows are filmed with yours truly and maybe the help of camera guy Tim Farnsworth and maybe a guest on the show that probably doesn't know any more about the body of water than I do, uh, to locate our fish. And it, it, when I say we have a system, we have a series of spots we always check. And it doesn't matter if I'm fishing for smallmouth bass in a reservoir in the west or largemouth bass in a lake in the east – uh, or a walleye, or a bluegill, or anything else, snook in, in the Everglades. I'm still going to look at a lot of the same basic places when it comes to lo- locating fish, and particularly in western reservoirs where a lot of this was originally developed, uh, or reservoir fishing in general, it really pays uh, to follow some sort of a system. You can be haphazard about it and find a spot on any given day. No question about that. You can pull up to the lake, look out across there, use some steely-eyed woodsmanship, and and just pull up and start catching fish. But it's rare that that's going to be consistent for you. You're going to have to be a dang fishy guy to make that work consistently. So instead, we use a system of places and a system of things that we're looking for to work through a set of variables. And then by being as observant as possible to A, the conditions we're dealing with on the day we get to the lake, and also as those conditions are changing throughout the day, that's where we get our keys to success and consistently in locating fish. And if you're a fan of Fishful Thinker Television, first of all, thank you very much. We appreciate that. It's a labor of love. We hope you'll follow us at Fishful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram, uh, and especially our YouTube channel as well. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that's a gratuitous plug. 
We have always tried to communicate where we are looking for our fish and why we're looking there. So if you're a fan, you're probably familiar with the the saying we use, inlets, outlets, boat ramps, and dams. And those are four key things, structural elements, that we always consider when we're looking for fish. Inlets, outlets, boat ramps, and dams. Somewhere around five or six years ago, we added bridges into that as well. So it becomes inlets, outlets, boat ramps, dams, and bridges. And the only reason bridges didn't make it in there earlier on is they're not the most common on reservoir situations. Bridges are something that, uh, you know, we have them around in some reservoirs, but they're not a real common thing to have in the reservoir. So um, we didn't add those till later on because of that. But the other structural elements, the inlet, the outlets, boat ramps, and dams, are something that you're going to find in the vast majority of reservoirs, by definition. Uh, a lot of lakes as well, uh, basically just a size difference in those two things. Maybe or maybe not going to find it in a natural lake somewhere. But in the West United States, natural lakes are dang rare. And when I do go to places that have natural lakes, say maybe Minnesota, South Dakota, some places like that, even in those cases, a lot of the time, some of the structural elements are still going to be in play there. Uh, including the the potential for an inlet and outlet, uh, for sure, boat ramps, obviously, and maybe some dikes that will artificially change the shape of some of those lakes. So those are key things. So let's look at them individually and talk about what it is about them that make them such good spots to fish and why you can apply them regardless of whether you're fishing from the bank or in a boat or in a kayak or anywhere in between. So we'll start with the, the obvious one because that's where you're going to start, particularly if you're in a boat, and that's going to be the boat ramp. And intuitively, a lot of guys put the boat in the water and they take off down the lake, gone. Oh, man, we got this big bad mercury and we're going to let that sucker eat. Well, first of all, these days, gas is dang expensive. You don't want to do that. Second of all, um, there's no need to do that in most cases. Most of the reservoirs have a significant stocking program to them. So boat ramps can be one of the places where fish are stocked. In the case of of Colorado, my home state, um, trout are stocked in most of the reservoirs. Walleyes are stocked in a lot of the reservoirs. Bluegills uh, and largemouth bass are stocked in some of the reservoirs. Catfish are stocked in the reservoirs. And the overwhelming majority of that stocking takes place at the boat ramp because they can back a truck right down the boat ramp, open the hose, and dump all the fish in the lake. And so by just proximity alone, there's going to be a certain number of fish that will hang out in that area. In the case of trout, a high percentage of them will return to that boat ramp because as far as they know, that's where they came to spawn. So that's where they were introduced to the body of water, and they're going to come back there around the time to spawn. And keep in mind that trout almost have no recruitment in western reservoirs at all. Their successful ratio of spawning to producing babies is almost nothing. My home lake, Horsetooth Reservoir, they're stocked by the tens of thousands trout are. Uh, almost zero natural recruitment in the lake, even though we have perfect substrate for it in a lot of places. We just don't have the water flow they need. Trout really need the running water and the nice gravel and nice cold water and all that stuff for them to make perfect babies, and they don't have that scenario. Plus, they're coming out of hatchery systems in the first place. I'm not entirely convinced that they've got all the mechanisms built into them to, uh, to make them as good at spawners as they would be if they were wild trout. But they may return to that boat ramp during their incubation periods and thinking they're going to spawn around that ramp. That definitely happens around my home reservoir and and a lot of the other reservoirs in our home region where the trout will return to the ramp. So that makes it a good reason to fish there. 
The fact that those trout will return to the ramp also will draw walleyes and bass and other species in the lake that will eat them, uh, potentially pike. Uh, those fish will all prey on those trout when they come back to the boat ramp. Or other fish will show up to eat the eggs that they will spit out in their unsuccessful effort to spawn. So you still may get females that release eggs, but they're not going to be fertile eggs. They're not going to to ultimately land in baby trout. Instead, they're most likely going to get eaten by bluegills and pumpkin seeds and green sunfish and crawdads and all the other things that come around there. So the fact that the food chain is in play around the boat ramp can be a key part of it. Another thing that makes boat ramps good is they have typically a change in bottom content. In other words, you're going to have a, a most commonly a concrete boat ramp. Okay, so it's going to have a hard edge on either side of it. Probably the people that built said boat ramp will have put some riprap or heavy-duty gravel or rock on the sides of the boat ramp to prevent erosion of their expensive boat ramp. So you're going to have that element as well. Um, Typically, boat ramps have immediate access to a basin in the lake as well, so they have good deep water access. You don't typically get a boat ramp that's 300 yards from four feet of water. Typically, it's going to have good water or depth around it, and that's going to keep mature fish comfortable as well, so that can be key. Another key thing about a boat ramp is the fact that it's got activity, and I'm a big believer that activity begets activity. No matter how you look at it, activity begets activity, and that's really important because every time you back a trailer down the ramp, and then you pull out, you stir that water with your boat trailer, and you've all seen it, it stirs up the mud, it stirs up the whole ecosystem right there. Well, what that does is get all the zooplankton and phytoplankton kicked loose from the bottom and gets it up in the water column where bluegills and everybody can get a hold of it because the, the physical flushing of the water has stirred the bottom. And it gives everybody a chance to feed. If you've ever had an aquarium and you reach in, you stir the bottom up, your goldfish will go crazy over there where you just stirred it up because they want to come over there and eat all that stuff that was in the gravel that they couldn't get before. That same thing happens every time somebody puts a boat in and out of the boat ramp. Now, somebody's going to say, geez, doesn't it spook fish when the, when the trailer, you know, and you back the boat ramp, you know, boat down the trailer and then you dump the boat in the lake and fire up the motor and, just, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not going to spook fish because they've been around it for their whole life. I'm not saying that the first boat of the morning when there hasn't been a boat there in 12 hours doesn't send some fish scurrying for a minute. But the busier the boat ramp is, in my experience, the better off they are. And I'm talking about a boat ramp that may have three or four or five boats on it at any given time. A four-lane boat ramp with three boat trailers on it at one time can be a fantastic place to fish. And, but you got to understand that what I'm saying is to fish the ramp itself, not 50 yards from the ramp. I'm talking about fishing the edges of the ramp, the edges of the dock that's over the top that provided some overhanging cover. Uh, if you've got a courtesy dock on that boat ramp. I'm talking about the foot itself of the boat ramp, which may have a prop wash blowout hole where everybody's revved their motors, putting their boat in the trailer, and it stirs a deep spot right there. Um, I'm talking about fishing the ramp itself. Now, let me throw one thing out here about boat ramps. Two things, really. 
One, it's a boat ramp first and foremost. Please, please, please don't go tell someone that I told you to impede boat traffic at the boat ramp. You need to be diligent about boats coming into the ramp and off the ramp. You know, people launching and recovering their boats and get out of the way. It is your responsibility to stay out of their way. If you're fishing from the bank or you're fishing from a courtesy dock where it is legal, you need to reel your stuff up and get it out of the way when boats are coming in there because it's a boat ramp first and foremost. Uh, and it, you need to have respect for that because that's the only place the boats can come and launch. So keep that in mind. The other thing to keep in mind about boat ramps, in a lot of cases, they are not legal to fish. So check that out and make sure that you do that, particularly if you're going to bank fish. That's It's most commonly a bank fishing scenario, and it has to do with avoiding the same thing I just said about not impeding boat traffic. So that can be great. Last thing about boat ramps I'll throw out that I think is part of the reason it can make them really good is a lot of them will have lights. And if you've got a lighted boat ramp, well, now you've got a really good reason for the zooplankton and the shrimp that may be in your lake, the freshwater shrimp or the saltwater shrimp, if we're talking in the case of, of, you know, say, snook fishing in the Everglades or something like that. Those shrimp and those microorganisms are all going to be attracted to the light. That's going to get the whole food chain going. That's going to draw other fish in there and still another reason. So if your, if your boat ramp has lights on it, fishing it at night can be really good. And the best part about fishing boat ramps at night is they aren't typically as busy. Uh, here at my home state, the biggest bass fishing tournament of the year is the Full Moon Open Bass Tournament. And the years that I have fished that, I have caught some of my biggest fish during that tournament in the middle of the night literally fishing right on the boat ramp in, in two and a half feet of water, right on the concrete, jag, dragging a, a crayfish looking uh, soft plastic of some sort, uh, you know, right down the boat ramp, just making yourself that, that very available, easy to catch thing. And the other thing about boat ramps too, the last thing is they're typically not very snaggy, the ramp itself. So you can literally drag something on the bottom like a crayfish might do. Uh, and that can be really good, and you can count on the fact that your lure will be visible to the fish. It's on a flat, otherwise hard surface, easy for a fish to see. So having your lure out in the middle of a boat ramp can be really good in that regard as well. So it doesn't almost even matter what species I'm looking for. I'm going to check the boat ramps on any given lake that I, that I fish on any given day. The next place I'm always going to look at, and always going to look at, and that's going to be inlets. And Inlets to me are one of the best places to fish uh, because of some of the same reasons as boat ramps. For one, they have structural element to them. Okay, so typically they're going to have a deep water ditch of some sort that's going to run all the way into the back of wherever it comes in from. In the western reservoirs, we have a lot of irrigation type uh, ditches that feed the reservoirs as opposed to an actual river. Fine. Those ditches will hold fish. In fact, we found fish pushed so far up those ditches that I can't get my rowboat or a kayak any farther up there. And there's still walleye that sniff their way all the way up that irrigation ditch, particularly in some of the reservoirs like on the eastern plains of Colorado. If there's water coming down that ditch, the fish are going up the ditch as they try to work their way to the head of the food chain, so to speak. Uh, I just alluded to the other or another good reason why inlets are so good. There's water that comes down that inlet in a lot of the cases. So whether, even if it's not, even if it's a true irrigation ditch where it typically runs water only when they turn on a valve somewhere, okay, that's fine. But then what happens when you get a heavy rain upstream? Some of that stuff is still going to run down the ditch. You're going to get some water that runs down that ditch. The other thing about it is a lot of the time, again, you'll have the, you'll have the structural thing. You'll have either some riprap there or potentially a culvert pipe. One of my favorite things to cast in is a culvert pipe. Um, can be really good as well. 
you may have some hard edges on those ditch, real hard uh, drop-offs, you know, where you have a real distinct hard depth change, particularly if that inlet joins the lake in an otherwise flat area where you have a ditch that snakes its way out across a flat. Um, the ditch or the edges of the ditch as you work into the inlet can be really good places to fish. Also, inlets tend to have, in a lot of cases, willows, or if you're more in the south, cypress trees, things like that around them. In other words, terrestrial vegetation that needs water all the time. Those can be really good. My house, where I live, backs to a lake. We've got an inlet ditch that runs in here. Um, There's willows that line that ditch, and those willows can be killer. There's very few willows in other places around the lake unless there's some sort of a seep on the hillside that come down. And it's because of the running water that comes down the ditch every time it rains. It's not an inlet ditch such that it's got a uh, a gate, a head gate or a floodgate on it. It's a natural ditch that was backed up when the reservoir was formed back in the 50s. And it still does what ditches do, which is flow water. Whenever we have snow melt coming down or whenever you have rain coming down. Or the other thing about inlets that can be really good um, is wind blowing straight into them because you'll get you'll get water that gets head or will stacking. It'll be push a bunch of water up into that pinch pinch down or neck down area, and then as it gets too heavy or the wind subsides, it'll swirl back out of there and create basically a wind driven current in that ditch. I've seen that push as much as two feet of head up into a ditch or water pressure up into a ditch, and then have two vertical feet flush right back out of there killer time to fish at that point when that's going on. That takes a windy day to make that happen, but if you've got a windy day, man, oh man, if the wind's blowing into a ditch, get after it. That's a really good spot, but the inlets can be really good. The the time you need to be a little careful about inlets is if you're fishing for warm water species and something like largemouth bass or smallmouth bass and the water coming down that ditch is snow melt or very cold and typically that's going to occur in the spring. Um, it will definitely flush fish out of the ditch. And so that's one of the limitations of, of fishing inlets themselves is when you've got cold water or water that's significantly colder than what the fish are comfortable at. So if my reservoirs say in the high 50s and I've got a bunch of cold snow melt coming down a ditch and it's only in the high 40s back up in there, well, no, I'm not going to fish that for a warm water species. Conversely, if it's, say, warm water period, I've got water in, say, the 50s or 60s, and I've got cold rainwater coming down that ditch or hail runoff or something like that, well, my trout might go sniff that out pretty quick, or walleyes that won't care about the difference in water temperature change because they're fine in the cooler waters. Those fish might go find that the cooler water coming in and may actually take advantage of it. So you have to consider your species a little bit in that regard. But... The inlet itself can be really, really good in that way. I don't like inlets when they turn on for the first couple of hours. They tend to flush everybody out. Once they've been running for a couple hours, uh, particularly if it's a filling situation, a reservoir that's been running for a while, there's going to be fish there a lot. White bass, wipers, uh, you know, crappies, everybody. Everyone's going to pile around there and take advantage of the food that's coming down that ditch. Can be really, really good spots in that regard. So if you've got a reservoir or lake that's consistently filling, um, that's always going to be a good spot while it's filling up for sure. Outlets, um, I'm going to be a little more brief about because outlets in my world 
A, they're not as prominent. You don't see as many of them because a lot of the dams we fish, a lot of reservoirs we fish, the outlet's part of the dam structure. So I would look at the outlet really as being, I would really look at as a dam rather than an outlet. But if you have a true outlet, which sometimes will occur in natural level lakes, constant level lakes, I know a few of them in western Nebraska where there's just a set height on the dike and the water flows in from a spring all the time and runs over that dike all the time, those outlets can be really good. Uh, in that regard, if there's an outlet ditch, like an irrigation ditch that's got defined structure to it that, they're, that they literally let the water out and, and let it flow out can be uh, consistent as well when that water's flowing. The one thing that is really good about outlets, if they're not flowing, is in a lot of cases they have either a deep spot or broken rock or a pump house type structure or a big concrete structure of some sort so they can get water out of the lake. Um, those things can all be really good. One of the largest bass I ever caught in Colorado, I caught many years ago down at Rocky Mountain Arsenal, right on the outlet structure. I mean, right on it. Like, pitched my jig right on the concrete, let it go down, got him. And uh, it was like a seven and a half or eight pounder, big old largemouth. So, um, definitely can be outlets, can be really good. You just don't see them as often. And if you've ever dumped fish out of a bucket, let's say you got a minnow bucket and you start dumping water out. Well, all the fish run upstream. They run to the uphill side of your bucket in a hurry. They'll fight to not get dumped out of the bucket. Well, I think in some scenarios you'll see that with with fish in outlet areas. When the outlet really starts getting sucked down hard, the fish will vacate the outlet area. So, again, that's another limitation. Just like the inlets can be limited when there's water of varying temperatures coming in, outlets can be limiting if the water's flowing out too hard. If the water's not flowing at all, outlets can be really good because, again, they have access to the deep water, the structural elements, the, the broken rock, or whatever the case might be. So, outlets really good. Dams. Let's talk about dams. I love fishing dams. I love fishing dams because they're one of the most prominent pieces of structure on any given lake. They typically have excellent cover on their structure as well in the form of broken rock or something along those lines. They typically have hard transition edges where it goes from broken rock to concrete or where it goes from the natural bank to the broken rock or whatever the case might be. They typically have really good access to deep water, some of the best access of any place in the lake by default. So that's a key thing as well. And uh, for those reasons, a dam is always a good place to start. And I, and again, I don't care what my species is. Some, one of the lakes that I fish on a regular basis, every species we catch in the lake we can be caught on the dam pretty much year-round. So it's just a matter of how deep along the dam am I fishing? Am I fishing the corners of the dam? Am I fishing the middle itself? Am I fishing the foot of the dam? You know, all of the above. Those are all the things I'm going to look at. But dams are fantastic places to fish in general. Uh, some key things about dams, though. Fishing parallel with them is usually better than fishing uh, perpendicular to them. In other words, keeping your boat up against the rocks and throwing ahead of the boat or behind the boat or trolling down the dam face itself is most commonly better than throwing straight up on the dam at a 90-degree angle to it and then retrieving back out. So at very least, I want to work angles to the dam. And typically when I'm going to work angles to the dam is when I am trying to establish my depth range. If I haven't been to the lake 
and I don't know how deep the walleyes are on the dam, I can zigzag it a bunch with my graph and look at it, and that's for sure something I would do and see if I can establish a depth range that way. Problem with that is you don't know what species they are for one, and for two, if they're shallower than about eight or 10 feet, that's got significant limitations as well. And if you're talking about bass that might be right on the dam, or in a commonly the scenario with trout cruising down a dam right up on the rocks, it doesn't matter. Even with modern forward-facing electronics, you're going to have a really hard time seeing those fish. So uh, you're not always going to be able to use your graph, which means you're going to have to use your casting to figure that out to some degree. At that point, I'll set the boat out off the dam and work 45-degree angles paying very close attention to how far off the dam my lure is or how deep my lure is when it's getting bit. So those two things together, how far out off the dam and how far down was it? Dams commonly are going to be somewhere around a 45 degree bank, right? Scenario. So you can extrapolate pretty easy because they're even, they tend to have even slopes. You can extrapolate very easy data that you get on the dam. There's no gray area to it. If you're 20 feet off of a dam that's a quarter of a mile long in a straight line, a 45-degree slope, well, the depth at the 20 feet off the dam, you know, 50 yards ahead of you is going to probably be the same, and, and 300 yards ahead of you, it's still going to be the same. That 20 feet off the dam is going to land you in the same depth of water. So they're consistent in that regard and allow you to reduce the number of variables you have to work out in a hurry. So I really like that aspect of fishing dams. Uh, the also the thing about dams is they tend to be unprotected, which means they get wind on them. And a lot of people don't like the wind, but most of the worst days of fishing I've had have been when the wind slicked off and got very, very flat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when the lake gets that flat, the fish can be tricky in general. Well, if there's any wind anywhere on the lake, a lot of the time it's going to blow on the dam or across the dam or at an angle to the dam, something like that. My favorite scenario all the way around is 45 degrees blowing into a dam. If, if I get that scenario where I can set the boat upwind and go down the dam kind of with the wind and working that downstream cast, down angle cast, I know I'm going to catch some fish, particularly white bass, wipers, trout, uh, smallmouth, walleyes, all, all of your fish that don't have any problem feeding high in the water column are really going to be happy with that scenario. And that's something that I, that I will always look for uh, in fishing reservoirs uh, is, to, is wind blowing 45 down a dam or straight into a dam. It can be a little tougher to fish, but on the other hand, can be really good fishing. I do find this, though. When the wind's really gassing on the dams and it's really breaking hard on the rocks, I tend to find my fish a little bit farther off the dam itself. And I think it's because of the slosh that happens right on the rock um, that they fish avoid just a little bit. So they might be a half a cast length or more off the dam, whereas when it's real slick and calm, they're right up on the dam. So that can be something to keep track of when you're fishing dams. But dams, to me, um, consistency is the name of the game with dams. A lot of the times, you're going to find your fish in one corner or the other of the dams, not scattered evenly all the way across it. Maybe you'll find them right in the middle where the dam's over the deepest part of the basin or over an outlet structure of some sort that's down there. That's a scenario we run into uh, commonly as well. But by and large, it's typically one end or the other of the dam, and I'm always going to start with the end that the, that's the windiest. If I'm going to pick one end or the other and I don't know anything any better, I'm going to start at one end or the other. It is very rare that I'm going to drop the trolling motor and fish all the way across the dam unless I can do it in about three minutes. Most of the time, I'm going to fish one end, then I'm going to fire up the big motor, run to the other end, and fish that end. 
and then I'll go check a spot or two in the middle. And if I'm as I'm working away from a corner, if my bites are still working, still going at the same consistency, then I'll keep going down the dam. Most of the time, you're going to find out that that's not the case. And the farther from a corner you get, the less consistent your dams are. So that's a really key thing. But dams are always good spots to check for me. I like them better when they have riprap on them. I like them better when they're older dams. Um, I like them better on windy days. Uh, can be really, really key places to fish, regardless of how you like to fish or what you like to fish for. Let's talk about bridges for a little bit here, because really bridges, where you find them, are some of the most consistent places to fish for any kind of fish. And I grew up in South Florida. Bridges are a way of life. Fishing from bridges or under bridges or around bridge pilings is very much a way of life in Florida. I find in Western Reservoirs, where you find a bridge, you're going to find some fish. In, in a lot of cases, or the Ozark Reservoir, same thing. Whenever I get around there, same thing. You get around bridges, you're going to find some fish. It's, again, some of the same things, I sound like a broken record, that you see about the other places. You're going to see a mixture of cover types. You typically are going to see some, some concrete, uh, whether it be posts or embankments. You're going to see some broken rock, rock or riprap to help prevent erosion. That's going to be really important. You're going to have some of that. In a lot of cases, you'll have a dike that comes out to form the road base for part of the way so that the actual bridge itself is narrower. So now you've got effectively a big, long riprap edge that you can fish. Uh, and when I say bridges, even a, 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 an earthen road that goes across, it just has big giant culverts in between them uh, that lets water flow to both sides of the road can be killer. <laughs> Excuse me, it's kind of a tiny little, uh, tiny little bridge, so to speak. You know, but if you've got a four to eight foot diameter culvert pipe that's letting water flow between two sides of a dike, it fishes just like a bridge. The thing about bridges is they're pinch points. So the any wind current that's blowing, it's typically they're at the narrow spot in the lake. So any wind that's blowing, it's blowing wind, you know, current will blow and the current will speed up right through there. You'll get a venturi effect and the water will speed up going through that little bit. And so the faster wind current you get, the better off your wind bite, wind driven bite's gonna be. So Bridges can be really good that way. Bridges also, because they have vertical structure on them in the form of pilings. Uh, in a lot of cases, fishing those pilings can be fantastic. Fish can move up and down the water column without ever leaving their piece of cover structure. Um, that can be really good. They offer current breaks for wind current, as we just talked about, blowing through there. So they give them a current break or a way to, for bait to congregate around and feed on the stuff that's growing on the sides of those. So the pilings can be really good as well. Um, my experience around bridges too is that there's a bunch of debris on the bottom underneath them. So you might have a lake that's that's a relative mud bottom, particularly an old lake or something. There's a fair bit of debris, concrete rubble and stuff like that that's typically found on the bottom underneath bridges. And you can find that with your sonar. You can drag a jig around. But you'll often find that there's debris on the bottom underneath them as well, which gives you a little bit of a hard bottom. So inlets, outlets, boat ramps, dams, and bridges. Those Five items uh, are really how day in and day out in all of our travels, we will go looking for, for locating our fish. And other things will come into play, obviously seasonality and, and, and weather patterns, prevailing weather patterns, water that's, that's rising or falling rapidly will affect which of those I pick. But again, all of them, because of their deep water access, aren't as affected as some other structural elements might be when it comes to rising or falling water. If the water drops a foot 
on a 45-foot deep dam, it doesn't change much. If the water drops a foot in a, in a five-foot deep flat, well, it's changed a lot. And so both might be on the same lake, but the fish that live on the dam aren't as affected by it. They've got deep water underneath them. Same thing with boat ramps, same thing with inlets, with a deep ditch. So those are key things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's spring, summer, or fall. It doesn't matter if I'm ice fishing. Some of the biggest fish I've caught ice fishing were right on the boat ramp for the reason, like I already mentioned, the trout coming back to the boat ramp in February. You find big incubating females on the dam. And it's because as far as they know, that's where they were born. So that's where the that's where the lake starts, in their opinion. So that's where they go. So consistency year-round is part of them. Plus, it gives you something to work with. They're all small pieces of structure or small spots to fish. It doesn't take me very long to fish around a boat ramp. And even if it's no fish on it at this particular time or it's not the right boat ramp or the right conditions, well, it didn't take me long to figure that out. Same thing with fishing the two corners of a dam or sniffing my way up into an inlet as far as I can get the boat to go. It doesn't take me very long to fish those areas in a hurry and then use them to determine the mood of the fish and things like that. If I have to go work out, say, some big flats or a whole bunch of bushes. Uh, maybe you've got a big, you know, a big patch of timber you need to work out. Well, if I know how deep I need to be fishing in the first place, that's going to help me a lot. And that's going to help me narrow down those trees a lot. And then the last thing I'll touch on, if you're a tournament guy and you, you're fishing jackpot tournaments, something like that, where you show up on a Tuesday night, you know, and uh, everybody puts their money in a jar and goes and fishes for it, or a club derby guy, um, if you do nothing but fish inlets, outlets, boat ramps, and dams, you'll do fine. You'll catch enough fish that you'll do just fine. Now, you're not going to win all your tournaments. Don't get me wrong. Everybody would do that, but it's going to get you in the ballpark. It's going to let you teach, learn some stuff in a hurry about the lake that you can then extrapolate from there. Also, get your confidence going in a hurry because you're fishing a small spot, give you a chance to make contact with fish and get a gauge on the mood of the fish, and then go from there. So that's why we like inlets, outlets, boat ramps, dams, and bridges. We fish them all the time in all of our travels for all the species that we fish. You see them a ton on Fishful Thinker Television and on our YouTube channel. So um, just know that we practice what we preach. So if you guys have questions, look us up at fishfulthinker.com. Otherwise, like I say, join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at Fishful Thinker across all of them. Otherwise, we appreciate you tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast.